Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Kevin Johnson program as we profile the creatives of arts and culture here in South Florida. As always, you can find us on anchor.fm forward slash KevJohnPro. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And I'd like to introduce my next guest at this time, and we're going to find out a bit about her and her line of work. I'd like to welcome the fire-eating mermaid known as Madhu Serena. Hello there. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for Of course, of course. So the reason why I wanted to talk to you is because of your performances underwater. But uh, I have a connection is that I saw your performance. I saw your performances at the hotel that I used to work at. I was oh, actually God. at the deli stand across from the rec bar. And every oh, Friday okay. night, you would come on and you would do your performances. So that is my wow. connection. That was a while back. I'm very impressed. Yes, wow. yes, yes. Now, uh, this used to be the Sheraton Fort Lauderdale Beach Hotel, which is now yes. the B Ocean Resort. Correct. However, they and still... Right, and they and uh, they still kept the rec bar after all these years, which is absolutely wonderful. For for a moment there, I thought we were going to lose the whole thing when they were doing the last renovation, and uh, I was really pleased to see that they not only preserved the bar but they restored the two extra windows that were on the side, mm. um, expanding, yeah, making the bar returning the bar to its original size. Okay, so that was a, a nice coup. Now, how long have you been performing at the rec bar? I started performing in 2006, so I've been there. It, this is a, and, but I went, I went there in 05 to kind of demonstrate how it would work, and it wasn't until 06 that it became, uh, it, it started going into rotation. So technically, uh, the 15-year anniversary is coming up very quickly, and I'm really loving that since, uh, since the inception of the idea of getting this show going. So okay. I'm, I'm totally thrilled. All right. Well, in order to know who you are and what you do, I'm sure that we need to go back to the very, very beginning. Now, we know by your original, well, your your birth name is Marina. Mm-hmm. Where are you originally yeah. from? I was born in Vieques, which is pretty much Puerto Rico. It's an island off Puerto Rico. So I was, I was born there, but raised in San Juan. So it's still the, uh, the island area. And that's pretty much where I got the proclivity towards swimming. My da- my father was a diver. Okay. An avid skin diver. So he uh, he would take us out often. And uh, and that just kind of became part of uh, our lifestyle. Okay. We're really comfortable in the water for, like, you know, since the very beginning. I that. Now, did you also train in aquatic sports as well? Um, Actually, no. Not besides the diving. And, uh, and that's kind of what makes it rather unique because we're starting from a clean slate. You, when you're taught uh, things such as uh, synchronized swimming or diving or something to that extent, it's uh, you have a foundation that's a little different, and I pretty much have to kind of create it on my own. Okay. And but how long... Williamsville, you know, it just kind of progressed in that manner. Okay. Uh, we may have yeah. to go back for that. Uh, what what sure. were you saying? Oh, uh, well... Having been trained as a diver and, and not uh, an actual Olympic diver, as a free diver, it's that's kind of 
which I did everything based on uh, my interest in Hollywood musicals that my mother kind of got me into, and of course, Esther Williams films being the pinnacle of that. I wanted to be able to integrate the dive experience that I had with the dance that you see when you saw these films, such a water dance. And it was something that at the time I didn't know existed. I just kind of wanted to make that happen and, mm. uh, and realized later on that it was almost an extinct art form for a bit there. That you really didn't see underwater ballet. Besides synchronized swimming, you really didn't see a whole lot of it until I visited a park. I was been about nine years old, give or take, and I went to Wiki Wachi Springs and saw the aqua ballet being performed and realized, oh my goodness, it's something I could actually do. Oh. And it, that was the catalyst for the interest in, in expanding upon it. And it was constantly a, a something that I, I would keep working on to see what I could, how it would progress and such. And here we are, you know, at this point, it, it's evolved quite well. <laughs> After so many decades, it's certainly a... a Okay. So when did you come to the States? I'm sorry? When did you come to the States? Oh, to the mainland, to the United States. I moved in the late 80s. Okay. And so I already was pretty acclimated to being Puerto Rican and pretty much the United States. So I already was very connected with the pop culture and stuff like that. But what made Florida unique and what really turned me on about being in Florida was attraction, which is something that completely blew my mind, that you'd be able to drive down the street and see these billboards and stuff, which is sort of see really fantastic places that would transport you. The escapism that Florida offered is something that was really remarkable, and I wanted to be a part of that. Hmm. So, from the get-go, I wanted to be able to provide people that experience, and thank goodness that a place like the Red Bar exists that would be able to provide that where you would see, you feel like you were someplace else, you're in a Spanish galley and you are transported, and that's the basis of it. I mean, Florida was known that was, it was one of the main places you would go for an escapist experience, you know from a restaurant, the restaurants like the Mai Tai and such that you feel like you're somewhere else Hawaii, that was extremely common at one time, and these places started to die out one by one Yes, yes Now, thank goodness, a couple are still there Of course. So, what created the idea of the fire-eating mermaid, Medusa Ring? Ah. <laughs> well, again, the interest in musicals and performances that most people wouldn't see would be basically the beginnings of it. I, I remember just about everything that I wanted to see, I never saw anybody else do. So, it was one of those things where I check and go, well, you know, anybody out there who eats fire... At the time, I, I ate fire and I did the Middle Eastern dance, and that wasn't typically known. So I would do that, and people thought, wow. At first, when you introduce the idea, they think you're bonkers. And then when you show it, they go, hey, this works. And then it gets popular, and, which I like. I, I guess that shows that there is, there's a, a, an interest in it, but people have to be shown what the interest possibly is by, by demonstrating it. And with uh, a fire-eating mermaid, I, I already was a fire-eater for some time, so... Um, it wasn't a very difficult uh, transition. I, mean, I swam all the I've been swimming all along, so I may as well add the implement of fire, which adds a great contrast. But that's, you know, for a certain type of performance only. If I'm on the surface, then, then yeah, there's a spectacle to that. But I also like the idea that it has a sensationalist feel. 
very uh, Ozdelian almost, in a, in a sense. And a uh, little tip of the hat to uh, old school performances. And then also, when did you start incorporating other uh, people into your act or other performers? It started with, uh, when I was swimming at the wreck, I really needed uh, a little assistance to keep the show going as far as tempo. If it's just me swimming across the portholes, that's lovely, but it winds up being a little more atmospheric than I really wanted at that time. I, I wanted to be a little more engaged. So in order to do that, I would need more than one. And right. fortunately, uh, I knew a couple of gals that were very interested in, in swimming, not not introduced at all to that style of swimming. So uh, yeah, I started to train them, and it kind of progressed from there. Then then I got approached by people. So it went from my seeking out a couple to now uh, having people approach and audition. And now I have a pretty large group, but that's... Which, which I guess it means I'm, I'm doing things in the right direction. <laughs> and I understand that you are constantly training. So, um, like, yeah. for instance, when you do your show at the rec bar, per se, let's start there. How much rehearsal does it take in order to uh, do the performance itself? Gotcha. Well, that really depends on who it is that uh, is, is swimming. For example, some people have very little experience in theater or performance, but are very adept at swimming in a basic manner. So that, that's great. I can work with that, and I'll teach the extras. If they're capable of looking, engaging when they're underwater, then it's something that evolves on its own. The show itself is unique because it's not really a synchronized show. Being a bar situation, you want to make sure that it's something that excuse me, people can return uh, and see something perhaps different. Uh, you want it interactive. And uh, I, I like that organic feel to the show. If we did synchronize, it would have to be something where we need sound systems that we could hear underwater. We'd have to, it, it's a, a completely different animal, which is rather funny because um, it, I like that it made the show so unique that people do want to return and say, well, last time I saw the show, this happened, and then this time, this other thing happened, or another person appeared. Uh, places like Weeki Wachi, the catalyst of all these attractions, um, they have an underwater sound system, and they have rehearsal. And, and so when you see that show, it's entirely different. It's like watching a chorus line underwater in some respect, and it's, it's remarkable. But I think I, I like the idea that it, it keeps the shows unique based on their location. But there are not too many of these underwater shows around. Really, there's only a handful of portfolio establishments like the Rec Bar in the United States, so it's not really like uh, um, there's there's too much to draw upon. You have to uh, come up, you know, create your own devices in the manner of speaking. And I can only imagine that there has to be other safety precautions when doing this as well, because I'm sure as a performer, you know, doing aquatics, being underwater. You have to have great breath control. So, do you teach that as well? Well, it, it's a given. Yeah, you have to learn it. Um, I think uh, a lot of us have been we've been we've been taught to fear water. You know, a lot of people. So, uh, don't eat something before you go into a pool. You'll get a cramp. Uh, mm. it, stuff like that. There's there's a, a big paranoia as well. You know, in general, not paranoia. I don't want to put it like a giant global crazy thing. <laughs> but I'm just saying, people are nervous. Some people are nervous around water, and I find that kind of surprising because I never have been. So, of course, I feel like it, you know, like it's an alien thing that's being said, and I want people to understand that they 
more in the water than they think. And, uh, and perhaps the show would enable people to see that. You know, I, I always jokingly say, you've been underwater nine months already. It's a whole cat. You just have to be uh, reminded what it was like. Mm-hmm. And you can work with it. You know, I, I, uh, I don't believe that, uh, of, you know, on, on the whole mysticism thing about it or, or, you know, fantasy aspect about it. I think just generally people can swim. They, they can't. Um, some swim better than others, but generally everybody should at least be familiar or comfortable enough in the water to be able to handle themselves to a, a, a decent extent. And this just takes it to the next level where it not only shows that we're handling ourselves, but we're doing things that are creative with it and continuing to. It continues to evolve. So one performer, you know, after being taught the, the, the basis of, of the swim show, you know, I do have particular um, things that I really that I prefer in my own swim style, you know, as far as form or how to uh, present yourself as, as, a, as a swimmer. But then after that, I really encourage them to do it on their own, mm-hmm. to make it their own, so to speak, so that they have a unique personality as they swim. As long as they follow some specific, quote-unquote, uh, aesthetic rules, the rest is, is them. And uh, and I, I like that. It, it allows the swimmers to, to feel like they own their characters when they swim. So I take it you also have a rotation of performers who you work with it really depends on who's available well uh, it's a very large uh, uh, group that we have now which is fantastic and, and they're really uh, enthusiastic some of them um, leave town they're transient um, and those are the ones that have been extremely long term I've had performers that have been playing for me for over 10 years and still are part of the group which is lovely mm-hmm. because you know it, their perspective is, is very respected and when I'm not around they they take over and, and do a remarkable job. So, and the, and the new swimmers, they take, they have the advantage of learning quickly because they're avoiding all the mistakes that I made. For example, when I was teaching myself, you, know, okay. you don't have anybody to tell you, don't do this because this is going to happen. Well, no, I did it. It happened. I don't know. I'm not doing that again. Right. So I'm training. We won't even make that a topic. So <laughs> they learned everything that it took me, you know, 30 years to do. They're learning it in you know, a couple of years, which I think is a rather fascinating aspect of instruction. <laughs> and what about, um, do you happen to do any land performances, or is it all the water? Well, as far as uh, other performances, I do other performances, yes, like myself, as far as if that's what you're referring to. Right. Um, I, uh, I have been a Polynesian dancer for a period of time. I've performed several different establishments in uh, Daytona and Fort Lauderdale. And uh, my other performance side is I play Japanese drums with uh, my husband, who runs a group called Ronin Taiko, and it is a Japanese taiko group that uh, um, we, we perform all around the United States and, and out of the country if they're willing to ship the drums out there. It's fantastic. And they're drums that range in, in size. Know, they, they, they can be ginormous drums that you know weigh 400 pounds, or smaller ones that are about 80 pounds. We, but we play in theaters and, and uh, cultural events. Such as it's been really terrific to be able to to balance out these two different sides. And uh, yeah, so I'm a, I'm a percussive Piscean, I guess. Okay. So, <laughs> as far as going back to um, the the burlesque. And as yeah. well as the um, the fire the fire eating mermaid. Mm-hmm. When did you start expanding your base out of town? 
Like do like for instance, do people call you to say, you know, I have a gig outside of Florida. Uh, would you be willing? And then also, is there any negotiations in reference to lodging and pay? Uh, do you do this on your own, or do you have a team that works with you? Oh, I I, uh, I do get a lot of calls to go out of the uh, out of the state, especially uh, the last uh, last five years or so. It's been been a almost a seasonal uh, thing where around uh, late late spring through summer, I'm I'm usually uh, commuting over to the west coast, um, mostly because there's a a large call for Polynesian pop culture events. There, which I have a great interest in, the background is you know Polynesian dance as well, and, and such with you know the establishments that I worked at for previously. That connection and the rec bar having that common ancestry with the Polynesian uh, establishments, having had originally a Polynesian establishment inside the hotel early on, it's no longer existent. The only thing that still is, remains of the uh, of the old hotel is that bar, but there still is that history that I think is absolutely wonderful to, to try to preserve and, and remind folks. And that the people who are interested in that kind of uh, pop culture are preservationists. They like to hear the history of, of these places. They're historians in, in great respect. They like to collect things and from cheeky mugs to uh, you know, all sorts of paraphernalia from posters and old menus and things like that. And uh, I, I think that was that that made a lot of people start to ask for me as a exclusive performer, you know, because of my particular expertise. So they would call me to go across to um, Los Angeles or San Diego, San Francisco, Portland. I, I pretty much hit all the uh, <laughs> all the West Coast states and uh, and Vegas in order to do these performances. It's a small genre, you know, it's a small genre that we that we corner. It's a small market, being uh, being as unique as we are. So. Even though there is a great interest in all things mermaid, kind of it, it rather exploded the last ten years, which I thought was really you know, fascinating because um, I'm just in the trenches swimming mm-hmm. <laughs> the whole time, and I'm watching these people come up with these outfits and costumes, and you go to these events where it's just woof, it, it blows your mind to see what these people do as far as it's almost like Mardi Gras of, of costuming, and, and it's fabulous. Where you know I'm I'm just I'm just a workhorse, <laughs> just in the pool trying to trying to get this show going and, and such, which is really neat. I, I love I love that I got to, in, in a part in the time, stick my head out and to the surface and look around and go, wow, this has been going on while I've been in the bar making this show happen. Well, <laughs> you mentioned about uh, costumes and outfits. Mm-hmm. So who makes yours? Yeah. Um, we make our own. I, I generally made, a, initially I made a lot of them, uh, which is not that difficult because it's just, you know, pretty much a sausage taping with a fin. It's not really a very complicated ensemble. And swimwear, I, I'll purchase swimwear if we're doing anything like special events and things like that. But for the most part, it's a it's a pretty simple design, especially since there's a large turnover of of ensembles because we're on a coordinated pool. So it makes things really easy. Um, so no wardrobe malfunctions. Oh, sure. It's not a matter of stick but when you have to have that perspective. You have to have that. You, know, you have to be expecting that that's going to happen. <laughs> but it, we have not had anything extremely horrible or serious. Or if it is, we we have maneuvers that will do special maneuvers in which we'll we'll get out of a problem very quickly if we need to. Right. Yeah. So it's uh it it we get to we get to work with with issues if necessary. <laughs> it's not 
So, as you know, there is show and then there's show business. So, yeah. since you are in the business of entertainment as well right. as providing or teaching a specific culture, okay. I'm sure that you've run into uh, situations where uh, the promoters uh, would say that they would pay one thing and then it ends up being something else on the contract. So, you know, give me a story of a, you know, a shady promoter that, that um, unfortunately uh, didn't do right by you. Um, we really haven't had too much of that issue, mostly because I do all the work on my own. If, if we go someplace, if we get contracted to go somewhere, and uh, the spidey sense tingles upon entry, I just say we're not going to do this, thank you, and walk on. Mm-hmm. Um, we've never really let it get to that point. You have to draw the line pretty clearly from the get-go. To, to avoid those issues. Um, not that uh, it won't happen. And I have to, and I have to think that way, not a matter of this, but when. I have to be prepared for that possibility at some point. But so far, we've been, we've been fine. Um, maybe because uh, the people that I've been working with have been, um, have been pretty great. So I, I've, I've been lucky so far that if I get contracted to do a show uh, in, in Vegas or something like that, I, I'd rather know the people who are doing it. Right. And, uh, right. Um, Working with comrades for this thing, and, and that's I'm I'm really really fortunate that I get to do that most of the time. Good, good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. outside of your performances, outside of your entertainment, I'm sure that there has to be a lot of conditioning as well in order to uh, do these performances. So, how often yes. are you working out? Daily. Okay. Daily. I, I run daily, I do weights every other day, um, I watch what I eat very carefully. I'm a, uh, I'm a raw foodist, but not 100%. I used to be, and it's very difficult to be 100% raw foodist. In fact, it's almost ostracized to do some people. <laughs> you're not very pleasant company when you go to a restaurant and you have to make sure that everything you eat is raw. Um, that, that was silly. But now I'm about 85%, which makes me a little more agnostic, and uh, I can actually be part of I can say joint civilization once more. Okay. But uh, as far as uh, working out, yeah, I, I run between five and eight miles um, a day. Uh, I usually try to take maybe a, a Sunday off, a Monday off from time to time. And, and uh, if I do anything, it'll it'll be weight work uh, on the days off. And they'll be more lightweight work, depending on what it is. Or I'll do an extra long run before a, a travel day because I have no choice. So I know I'm flying to... Uh, Portland, um, I'll, I'll make sure to do maybe 8 or 13 miles before, for you know, the day of, I can, if I can do 8 miles the day of and fly out later that afternoon, then I'll feel like I, I moved around a bit, otherwise I, I tend to get a little antsy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Always yeah, on the move. Say so, yeah? Always on the move, like you were, like yeah, you were yeah. saying before. Okay. So when you do, like, for instance, when you do the rec bar show, it's just you and a couple of others or like how many to a pool? We have four per 
per show on average. Sometimes we'll increase the amount depending on uh, the call for it. If we, uh, we have a special event or something, we'll, we'll add extra swimmers. Um, we've had up to, well, I, think, uh, I think one of the most we've had, maybe eight swimmers, ten swimmers at one point. Um, it all depends on the event and, and what they would like and what their budget is. So it, it certainly can range. And, and the fee as well. So some corporate events that take place in Miami or, or you know, in the Carolinas or something like that, or even the, the Antigua, you know, uh, the Dominican Republic, will ask for several. They'll want just mermaids, you know, we want four mermaids to come. So we'll do that. But also show what we, what else we can do. We can swim in these sails, but we can also do this other aspect. We can do this aqua ballet that we can interact with people in a different way. We can do a soccer act. Um, adding that range really uh, surprises us because initially they just think you're going to sit at the edge of the pool and take and take photos with people. And, and sure, that's a good thing too. That's, that's lovely. But it's nice to be able to offer other options while we're there. And it allows us to uh, to enjoy ourselves as performers and expand our own you know, horizons and expand our speaking. Okay. So other than the rec bar here, where else can people see you or see your act? Oh, wow. Well, um, as, as here, as here in South Florida, I should Florida. say. Here in South Florida. I am South Florida. I'm in Fort Lauderdale based. Um, but I'm kind of bi-coastal at this point because generally from April through, uh, through September, I, uh, I tend to do quite a bit of traveling. So I just came back from uh, Los Angeles. I was in San Diego doing uh, a Kiki event. And before that, I did an event in Sacramento. I also did one in Long Beach, Washington. Just about all these little peppered uh, places, so to speak, and, and one after the other, which is rather, it's rather convenient in a way. So I can go from one right to the next event and not too many stomp on top of each other. Again, it's a great, all these event planners have mutual respect for each other, so they don't try to stomp on each other's events, which I think is really phenomenal. But there's a great symbiosis and, and, and the way they all work together. So the event in Arizona won't compete with the event in Las Vegas, which won't compete with the event in Los Angeles. And, and so far, it's worked out really well, and, and I can arrange my travel accordingly. Good, good. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'd like to thank you very much for coming on and um, you know, giving us uh, an education in reference to what you do. And you. once again, if people want to learn more about you and uh, the entertainment that you provide, where can they find you? Sure. You can find me on Instagram under Fire Eating Mermaid. That generally makes it really easy. You just think of Mermaid Eating Fire. It's a nice little uh, <laughs> mnemonic. <laughs> or uh, also on Facebook, we are uh, the page. My uh, website is under construction at the moment. We're kind of revamping it, and uh, so it's much easier to find me through those. Even LinkedIn, Fire Eating Mermaid, all of those. Uh, I'm, I have several pages on on Facebook. Different types of pages, ranging from the uh, the group, the Run on the Aquatic Cast, which features my uh, other performers, the male performers, the burlesque, all of it, because we do the only underwater burlesque show in the United States which, you know, I love the exclusivity of that. And uh, and that's how we continue to expand on the art form. So it's really easy to, to find those resources. If you look up Fire Eating Mermaid, you'll have absolutely no trouble finding it. Okay, great. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you very much again for coming on. I know that uh, you're, uh, you're like you said, like we're saying, you're on the move. So I will. Well, we're uh, on the move, but it's great. 
like swimming constantly. It's a good thing. <laughs> good. It's, good. It's been a great adventure so far. All right. Well, like uh, like you said, we can find you at uh, medusarena.com or we could just yep. Google fire eating mermaid. Yeah, and you'll find it right away. And uh, yeah, I'm very easy to reach too. I, I believe it's, it's important to communicate with people that have an interest in the field and, and, uh, and, and encourage the art form. Um, now, especially, you know, there are people that are, that are really wishing to expand on their own Right. And that's why we we try to provide a spotlight for these creatives, because uh, we you know need to know who is in our community uh, providing arts, culture, entertainment, anything like that. So once again, I appreciate you taking the time out. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. All right. Well, you take care. Thanks. You as well. Take care. And, well, that was the Kevin Johnson program. Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen. You can find us on anchor.fm forward slash kevjohnpro. We are also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, also under kevjohnpro. And, once again, if you'd like to be a guest on our program, feel free to shoot me an email. That's kevjohnpro at yahoo.com once again kevjohnpro at yahoo.com once again thank you very much and don't forget to support your local community take care